ELC Radio. And I want to say to the women of Propel, take heart. Take courage as we go into 2020. It is a proactive word, an imperative verb, an action word. Take it. You are not just going to sit back passively, going with the culture, going with the flow, freaking out, but you are going to rise up and remember that you are a daughter of the King. Remember what you have in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ and you shall make a decision to take heart. So propelling my last charge in 2020 to the women of Sacramento and I want to declare it into the atmosphere in the capital of California. We as women of God shall take courage. We do not shriek back. We do not pull back. We do not stop. We march on into the future and the destiny that Jesus Christ died to give us in Jesus' name. Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Open your Bibles this morning. We want to also say a prayer. We have a lot of people who have been fighting sickness and traveling on the road today. We're going to pray for them in just a moment here. But let's start again from Isaiah 55 as we're finishing up this series on ingredients for miracles. I want to give you the last ingredient, and this is the ingredient that is, is the uh, secret sauce. This is the ingredient that you can't go without. If you're making chocolate chips, this is the chocolate chips today, okay? Because you can't have chocolate chip cookies, I should say, without chocolate chips. And so we've given you all the other ingredients, and they're important. But today, this is the stuff that makes a miracle a miracle. Let's start right here, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you this morning for everything that you do for us, Lord. We've just celebrated a Thanksgiving holiday in which many of us got to gather with family and friends in warm houses uh, and eat good food. And Father, for that, we're so grateful and we're so thankful. But this morning as we gather together, we're grateful and thankful for grace because none of us deserves to be in the family of God, Lord. But by your grace and because of your mercy, we are led in through Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we set aside this time for your word that you might speak a word in, in season 
to transform and bring breakthrough in our lives. Father, we pray for all those in the body that are dealing with sickness, that are fighting the things that are going around. I pray that they would go around us and not land in Jesus' name. But we pray for all the families that are dealing with sickness. We pray for families that are traveling and on the road today. Give them safety and get them home safe. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Praise God. Well, today we want to finish this series. Next week, we have a new series uh, uh, built around Christmas. It's called Left Under the Tree. Okay, and what that talks about is, you know, the Christmas season comes and, you know, at our house way back, just like a lot of Latino families, Christmas time, we'd have everybody over the house. How many have Christmases like that? I mean, man, we, the, the presents would go so far outside of the tree that they'd go out in, into the living room a little bit because everybody at that time, we were all small and there was so many small gifts and stuff. And it wouldn't, sometimes what would happen after Christmas, uh, after we'd all open our presents, we'd have to take a second look back under the tree because sometimes some of those gifts would get pushed way back there and somebody would miss it. And so, I, un, unfortunately, that's kind of a lot of what happened with Christians. We have all these gifts that God has given us, all these blessings that God gives us, and we enjoy some of them, but there's that one thing that God died for you to have that you forget about, that you haven't even opened yet because it's gotten left under the tree. Well, we're going to talk about some of those things in the series coming up next week, so make sure you're here for that. But today we want to summarize and give you this main ingredient for a miracle today. And just I just want to give you a quick review. Last week we talked about the fact that God's ways are higher and different than ours. They cannot be understood by the carnal mind. And this is why the Bible instructs us and tells us you got to build up your spirit man. Tell your neighbor right now you got to build up your spirit man. See, there's a lot of Christians that don't know that. They only focus on the two parts of their being, their flesh and their soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions or your intellect as well tied up in that. And most people function just from that place. They're controlled by how they feel. They're controlled by their desires. They're controlled uh, by what they can figure out with their mind. But see, when you meet God and God comes into your life, the Bible says that God is spirit. And when he talks to us, he speaks to our spirit. And last week we talked about your spirit needs to be strengthened because your spirit is much like uh, uh, something that receives signals, like a satellite dish. And if you've got a good, strong enough signal, you can pull in all sorts of things in the spirit, all sorts of things God is saying. But if you have, if you have a small spirit, it's the equivalent of if you ever had a, a, an antenna growing up. Some of you don't know what that is. or what, even, They don't even have those on cars anymore for radios. But we used to have antennas on the car. And God forbid that antenna gets broken off your car. You can't listen to the radio no more. All you hear is, how many remember those days? Some of y'all don't even know how good you got it. And then 2020 up here. We, but that was how it was back in the day. And your spirit man is much like that. Your spirit, man, for many of you, you don't hear God. All you hear is because your spirit, man, is so small. And you want to know why your spirit, man, is so small? Because you don't build it up. Because it's your responsibility to build your spirit. We've talked about how you build your spirit. You build your spirit by reading his word. You build your spirit by praying uh, in the understanding and praying in tongues. You build uh, your spirit up by worshiping God and praising God. 
and talking to God. All those things build your spirit man up. And we discuss that. You can go on the podcast and hear those ones. But it's so important that we do this because so many Christians, they don't do that. Only thing they do is they feed their intellect. They just feed their intellect with messages. They come to church. Oh, I've heard this before. They come to you, read something in the Bible. Oh, I've read that before. No, you've got to let that stuff go down deep inside of you until it transforms you. And so we talked about that. And last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 11. You can put that on the screen there. And it says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So what is he saying here? Your ear is not going to hear it. Your eyes aren't going to see it. That's not where God's going to speak it. Where he's going to speak it is in your spirit, man. It says here, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Amen? Amen. That's where he speaks to your spirit. So you've got to take some time and go, wait a minute. If God is speaking in the spirit, I got to tune my spirit up. I got to build myself up. I got to pay attention to my spirit man. And this is one of the reasons that we come to church and we hear the word. But you got to be building your spirit up throughout the week. Amen. So then last week, we also talked about 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. And look at this. It says, these things we also speak not in words, which man, with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Listen to this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. This is why I never try to convince somebody to serve God. Because they're just, you can't speak, you can't explain it all to them. They're not going to sit down and give them all these facts and they're going to go, okay, I'm going to serve God. The Bible says that revelation is spiritually discerned. And at a time when they're ready and when they're open and when they first are willing to receive Jesus without understanding everything, the understanding will come second. And for most of us, it was like that. You know, I heard a word preached when I was 19 years old uh, and it convicted my heart. And he said, if anybody here wants to know Jesus as your personal savior, you need to get down here and he will forgive you of all your sins. Well, I had just been through a whole bunch of stuff, had a lot of sins weighing on me. And I said, man, I need that. Did I understand it? Not fully. My mind would have sat there and said, well, how is all my sin going to be forgiven? Well, you know, I didn't understand all the theology of it at the time. All I knew is I needed to respond to that word. I came to the altar. I gave my life to the Lord. And after I responded to the revelation, spirit to spirit, then I started coming to church and it wasn't boring no more. Then I started coming to church and I was understanding what before that point, when I would go to church with my parents, it was just all gibberish. It was all this, oh man, this guy's putting me to sleep. But after my spirit man came alive, I started understanding what the preacher was talking about. And that's what the scriptures is saying. It's because the Bible is God is going to speak to you spirit to spirit. But again, you got to build your spirit man up. We just read it's not going to be something you see with your eyes. The things that you need from God, you're not going to see them with your eyes first. You're not going to hear them with your ears first. You're going to spiritually discern them. Let me give you an example. When my wife and I got the vision to start this church, we were still living in Florida and we had nothing. We didn't have anything. We didn't know any of y'all. 
There's not a person in here, because my dad's not here today, that I saw being a part of our church. We didn't know who was going to come. My ear didn't see you first. My eyes didn't see you. But my spirit told me y'all were here. And so we had to go through a lot of things to get here to meet y'all. And let me tell you something. Before I met my wife, my spirit told me she's there. Pay the price. She's there. Don't be dating none of these crazy women and mess that up. She's there. And I would say, God, where's she at? Five years go by. Six years go by. Seven years. It wasn't until the eighth year of being single and dating nobody that she showed up. But you know what? It wasn't because I saw her one day and said, I'm waiting for you, baby. It wasn't because somebody told me, hey, man, there's this girl from Louisiana. You're going to meet her. She's going to be everything you ever No. You know how I knew? My spirit. Now, there are things that God is waiting to do for you, but some of y'all are waiting to see it with your eyes. You're waiting to hear it with your ears. Ain't ever going to happen. You first got to discern it. That's how some of you know you needed to leave that last job. That's how some of you knew you needed to come to this church. You got to be led by your spirit. And the stronger your spirit is, the more you're going to hear from God. Can I get a good strong amen on that? So then we, we looked also at the scriptures that you, some people say, well, how do we discern what is my voice and what is the voice of God? And we said this last week that the, the voice of God is always going to sound like the Bible. The spirit is going to always sound like the Bible. So 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So whenever God speaks something to me, I got to weigh it up against his scriptures. He's never going to tell me something that's not in the scriptures. Can I get an amen on that? He's not going to tell you to leave your husband or your wife unless they're beating you. Now, if they're beating you, you need to leave them. I got one amen on that. Can I get some more amen? My kingsman. Can my kingsman back me up on that? If your husband's beating you, leave him. If your husband's beating you, I know somebody with a truck and I can get a couple of my kingsman buddies over. We'll move you right out of there. Amen. Now, that's a different situation, but God is not going to come along into your marriage and just be like, son, you need to leave this woman. I have a soulmate over here at your job. (laughs) See, we laugh, but foolish people have done that and blamed it on God. But, you know, it's not God because in the scriptures, he doesn't he doesn't do that. He says what God puts together, let no man put asunder. Amen. Amen. So I understand divorces happen and they're different, but please, let's not blame them on God, right? Unless you're in physical harm. Then you know what the Holy Spirit might be like, and he might be using me to say it today. Get up out of that. He might be using me to say it to you, someone listening to this today. If they're beating you, you need to get up out of that because your father God would not want you in harm's way like that. Ooh, that's for somebody in here, somebody on the podcast, somebody needs to hear that. Because uh, uh, that's, God's not going to have you in that situation. 
Amen. Let me switch gears here because I'm not trying to be all heavy on that today, but uh, I'm trying to help you discern when God is speaking and when he's not. Amen. And so we talked about that. We talked about it's going to sound like his word. So if you're if you're not hearing from God, get this. It's because you don't know his word well enough. When you start getting familiar with his word, you're going to hear him all the time. It's going to be like you can ask him a question and the word will pop up in, in your spirit. Like you get up in the morning and say, God, what's waiting for me today? And a, and a scripture will just pop up in your spirit. And something will just pop up in your spirit. You get a bad report from the doctor. And they say, oh, you know what? You got this sickness here. And right away, your spirit will begin to speak to you. And your spirit will tell you, by his stripes, you were healed. Amen. Now, your soul is going to be saying other stuff. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Why is this happening to me? How come me? See, that's all your soul stuff. But the spirit is always going to speak what's in the Bible. And it's going to spill when the spirit speaks it. There's something on that. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. But before I can get you to understand the main ingredient, you've got to understand you've got to have a strong spirit to get it. Because what do we mix a strong spirit with? Here it is. You guys ready? Two, one, half. And you was half ready, too, because I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm ask you all again. Y'all ready for this? Okay. I know it's cold outside and, and people still got that turkey in their bellies, but come on, pull on the word a little bit today. OK, so what we mix a strong spirit with is a word from God. A word from God, a word from God, a word from God. You should have a word from God over your life, over your season, over everything you're doing. There's got to be some word that you're building this thing on. Amen. You got to have a word because, see, and this is what I don't get with Christians that ain't got no word. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Well, why are you married to him? Uh, because he does, he's nice. You better have a word. You better have a word. Or you want to start a family? Yeah, you better have a word. Get a word. Because here's what Jesus said about having a word. He said, you got to be like the man that built his house upon the rock. He said, fools build it upon sand. You know what sand is? Sand is broke down rock. Sand is the words of everybody else. What your mom and dad say, what your cousin says, what your auntie Nene says, what Mac Dre told you growing up. See, some of you building life on what everybody been telling you, what the block told you. And so now you're just, it's how you build in your life. Jesus says, don't be like that because he says this, when you build your life upon little pebbles like that, the rains are going to come and your life is going to get washed out. Your, your marriage won't last that. Your family ain't going to last that. He said, but build your house upon the rock because when the rains come, you're going to stand. When the waters rise, you're going to be okay. You guys, and so he tells this story. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So let me help you today. Don't ever start an endeavor in your life without a word. God, what are you saying? What are you telling me right now? What do you say about this job promotion? What do you say about us buying this house? What do you say about me in this relationship? What are you saying about me in whatever you're doing? Get a word. Why? Because a word will cause your life to be solid. You better believe I didn't marry this woman without a word. I got a word. He said, well, how'd you get a word? I prayed. And I went to my pastor. 
And I said, Pastor, I want you to meet her, but beyond meeting her, I want you to go out with us, and I want, you, I want to know what you think about her. And he would say, oh, you know, we went out and everything. Oh, she's so nice. I said, Pastor, <laughs> thank you. I know she's nice. But uh, uh, this is me here. I'm not a chump Christian who just wants you to agree with all my decisions. I want to know what the Holy Ghost is saying. And maybe I'm missing something. And if I'm missing something, Pastor, I want you to tell me, and I'm not going to be mad at you. Chew on that for a little bit there. That'll help you. But you know what? I doubt many people walk in that much faith in their God. Because we want what we want. And if somebody comes along and challenges what you want, you get mad at them when really they're just loving you. If you bring single people, if you bring somebody home and your mom and dad don't like them, don't get mad at them. Thank them. Ask questions. Mommy, why don't you like him? Now, if they just give you a little, you know, I didn't like his eye. Well, you know, okay. We, we, we don't, I ain't got to listen to that. He got weird eyes, mijo. He looked like, look like a rat. No, no. I'm not saying listen to that. You know, because sometimes we get fickle. You know, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. No, sit down and say, Mom, Dad, why don't you like him? And if they have things that they're concerned about, listen to them. Listen, because the last thing you want to do is marry somebody nobody else likes. Because maybe they're seeing things that you just don't want to see. Is this helping anybody? Can I get some amens from some mom and dads? I'm trying to help somebody today. But see, the whole thing is you've got to have a word from God. And so you got to get a word from God. Now, a lot of Christians I meet around the world, they say things like, well, pastor, how do I hear from God? How do I hear from God? Some of you might be asking that today. Well, you know, how, how do I hear that? Guys, let me just tell you, it is simple. It's simple. Tell your neighbor it's simple. Let's demystify this thing. Let's let's get it. Let's let's unspookify it a little bit, because, you know, people that usually say they hear from God, they got that weird look in their eye. You know what I'm talking about? The, the old hermanas in the church that would only hear from. They're the only ones that would hear from God. You know, the Lord is telling me and they just kind of look all mystical and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> listen, it don't have to be like that. You can hear from God. Say this. I can hear from God. Let me tell you something about God. God is a speaking spirit. That's how he works. So if you're in relationship with him, it don't make sense that he's going to be not speaking to you. I'll, I'll put it out even further. God speaks a lot. He's always speaking. He's talking. How did he create the, the worlds? He spoke it into existence. How is he going to create things in your life? He's going to speak it. But the problem many times is our signal is too weak. We hear signals through our five senses. Our, what is it? Taste, sight, smell, feel, all those things. We, we take in information. Right. You know, the kind of weather it is outside through your five senses. And then others of us were led by our feelings and how things make us feel. And if it doesn't make us feel good, then we think it must not be good. And that's a problem because there are things that don't feel good that are good. Like love. Y'all know love does not always feel good because one thing the Bible says is correction is love. And the Bible tells us correction never feels good. But if there's correction in your life, that means somebody loves you. Right? If your spouse is correcting you, 
He's loving on you. She's loving on you. Right? But some of us don't like that kind of love because it don't feel good. I didn't get no amens on that one, but I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. Amen. So we need a strong spirit. We need a, we need a word from God. Now look at Luke chapter 5, verse 4 today. Luke chapter 5, verse 4, because this is where, these are where the miracles are going to come from in your life. Luke 5, 4 says this. And when Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now what this is, this is a story here about how God is going to do miracles in your life. This is part of how the kingdom of God works. See, in this story here, the Bible talks about the disciples had been out fishing. They didn't catch anything all night. Now, let's just start right there. The disciples were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. And they were probably good at what they were doing because they made a living off of it. But they had been in a season, or they had been in a night season, I should say, where they went out, and this particular night, everything they knew to do, they did, and still caught nothing. Now, how many of you guys know there's going to be seasons of your life like that, where you're doing everything you know to do, and nothing's changing? You're doing everything you know to live a right life, to be a good Christian, to to, uh, get ahead, but you still don't qualify for that loan. You still can't start that business. Uh, Things aren't changing around you. And it's not because you're lazy. It's not because you're not doing the right things. You're doing everything right. But here's the difference. You need God's involvement. So the disciples gone out, did all their stuff, and Jesus comes, and he simply gives them a word. He can tell they're probably discouraged because they got bills to pay. That fish was going to provide for their families, and they'd be able to sell it in the market and get what they needed, and they're coming in discouraged and probably heck of tired from being out all night, and Jesus comes, and he gives them a word, guys, that doesn't make natural sense. It's not a nice feeling word. It's not a good word when you worked, 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 and then somebody else comes in and says, hey, go work again. That's not a nice word like, oh, I got a prophecy in church today. Praise God. See, nobody prophesies these prophetic words like this. You know, this isn't a flowery, nice prophetic word. This is a prophetic word that requires faith. It's also a prophetic word that requires trust. And here's the third thing this prophetic word requires, and that's action. All right? Action. So so those three things, he comes and Simon's, they're they're discouraged. We we launched out into the D. We did all these things. Uh, Go back to the uh, original scripture there. Uh, Oh, no, this is it. I'm sorry. And he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. And it says here, but Simon answered him. Man, I could just totally see Simon's response, man. Like, dude, come on. We toiled all night, 
We caught nothing. He don't want to do it. But he has this little knowing in his spirit. This understanding that who is telling me to do this? Jesus. And simply based on what Jesus is saying to me and who he is, I am going to obey. What would happen if we would do that? I'll tell you what would happen. We would have miracles in our lives. But can I just be honest with you? Most of us don't make it past that first segment there. I've already tried that. I've toiled all night. I've done that. And we stop there. Instead of missing that second part that says, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. So the Bible says they had done this. They caught a great number of fish. Another account in the Bible talks about that when they took in the nets, the nets were so plenteous with fish that they broke. There was too much. So they had So what did they do when God gives you abundance? They start giving it to the other boats. They had more than enough. But here's my point, guys. Here's this. Simon Peter had enough sense to say, nevertheless, this doesn't make sense to my normal mind. This is not how I would do it. But because God says to do it this way, I'm going to do it. You're all going to be faced with times and seasons in your life where God tells you to do some things that don't make sense. That don't make sense. And don't be caught up on the first part by just excusing and going, well, I've already done all that. I'm not doing the next. I pray that I'm producing disciples here in this house that understand the nevertheless. And the nevertheless, God, this don't make sense. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But because you've asked me, I'm going to do it. You know, a few uh, months ago when we came to you and we said, hey, this is where we're at. We got to raise this money. It's time for us to come and ask for pledges above the tithe that you're already giving, above offerings that you're already giving, and it's time for us to now sacrificially give. Most of you were, we were all in the situation. My situation was like, I can't, man, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's not, I just don't have money laying around to just give into this thing. But we heard from the Lord, and we said, God, God gave us a word. Just ask everybody to do what I asked them to do. Now, some of us, when you heard that number and you said, God, I'm going to give that pledge, you know, it scared you a little bit. I know it scared me a little bit because I was like, God, I don't have it, but I'm going to believe you and we're going to get there because I'm going to be obedient. But there may have been some that weren't able to discern what God was asking them because they were stuck in their minds. See, here's the thing you got to understand. Remember, we start out God's ways are higher than your ways. His ways are not our ways. We've got to learn his ways. Here's the thing I've learned over the years, that whenever God is asking me to sacrifice something, it's because he's trying to get something big to me. God is not in the business of taking stuff from me. He's in the business of getting things to me. His nature is to bless, not take. I want you to write that down, put that somewhere, get that in your heart somewhere, because religion has taught us excessive sacrificing. Like God is just trying to take stuff from you to humble you, 
to make you, you know, make to show that you love him and all these things. That is not the purpose of sacrifice. And so religion many times gets you to think that if you start serving God, you got to give up, give up, give up. Like God's up just in heaven trying to take stuff from you. Guys, that is not the nature of God. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. The nature of God is to bless his children. He is looking for ways to bless you more than you can be blessed. It's his heart. Guys, God wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your kids. He wants to give you a good house. He wants to take care of all your needs more than you want to do that for your kids is what the scriptures say. He says, Jesus said, man, there's ungodly dads that want to take care of their kids. How much more godly and how much more do you think I want to take care of my kids? But here's the problem. Y'all ready? We don't believe it. We don't believe it. So what you got to teach yourself is this. Anytime the Bible is asking me for something, it's not because God's wanting to take something from me. It's because he's wanting to get something to me. That's it. So there have been times in my life, guys. Literally, I've told you this before. There's been three times in my life I gave God everything. Well, how do you do that, Pastor? How do you do that? Well, the first time it was easy because I didn't have much. I was like, take it. You have it. Starting fresh. Second time, I accumulated some things. You know, I remember first time. Who remembers the first time you went and bought out, went out and bought real furniture, like real furniture? Anybody remember those days? Some of y'all ain't get there yet. Okay, we're gonna get you there. We're gonna get you there. There's no feeling like buying real furniture. You know, oh, I remember going there, just feeling like, thank you, God, taking my couches home, putting them in the in the in the condo living room, just like, yes, man, God, God, you are too good. Getting that new furniture smell up in your house and stuff. I wasn't married yet. I was still single. I was pastoring Modesto. And I had, I had accumulated some things. I had a nice car. I had a Cutlass Supreme. How many members of Cutlass Supremes? Ooh, it was nice. It was so nice it got stolen twice. Amen. It did. The last time I didn't get it back. But, I, you know, I had, I, had, I had accumulated some stuff. And then God, uh, you know, I had a church. I had a ministry. I was a senior pastor, 24 years old. Things were great. And the Lord says, I want you to leave this. And I want to take you to Florida. And I want you to submit to this pastor over there. It, didn't, it was harder. I was like, wait a minute, leave this? You know how long people go to seminary to become a pastor? And you're telling me to leave this? What am I going to do over there? They didn't offer me a position. God says, I want you to leave it. I want you to give away all this stuff to your brother. I gave it to my brother uh, uh, when he was living out here in Outgrove. I brought him all my furniture. I gave all the rest of my stuff away, loaded everything I could into at that time. It was a, a, it was a, a cougar. And I took my cougar across country. Everything I had was in there. But I basically gave God everything. And you know what was the core of why I was able to do that? It's what I'm telling you today. Because I've realized, guys, God is not trying to take stuff from me. Whenever he requires something from me, is it's because he's got something better for me. So if I can always remember that, when he's asking me for something, I don't get tied to what he's asking me. I get tied to what's coming because I give it. Are you guys tracking with me today? 
That is why one of the Hebrew words for the tithe, and I've told you this before, is test. It's test. See, God always wants to see if we trust him as much as we need to. And part of the way that we prove to ourselves if we trust the Lord is through our giving. Because my giving tells the universe, the spirit world, the natural world, and it tells my flesh and my mind that I trust God. Because in the natural, in the natural, there's no natural reason why I should be giving God so much. But in the spirit, remember, truth is spiritually discerned. It makes all the sense in the world. All the sense in the world. So the third time the Lord visited us and we were, it was time to come here, this time we had a choice. He said, okay, I've asked you twice in your life to give these things. It's the third time I'm calling you to go to California. This time, man, it was a harder choice because we lived in a nice home, in a gated community, had two cars. My son was in private school, all these things. And now the choice was there. He didn't so much come and say, I want you to leave this and go do this. It was like, this is what I have for you. And the conversation was more like, you know what you need to do. And I was like, yeah, we do. We know what we need to do. And I'll never forget my wife. Well, I've told the story here, and it just touches my heart so many times. Uh, we were packing up and going into the garage and seeing my wife on the garage floor sitting there in tears because we just took one of our cars. I think uh, the last thing we had was one of our cars. We gave it back, and it was just kind of like, okay, that's it. We, we, we gave everything. We're ready for this. But do you know what has gotten us through that time? It's understanding that whatever you give, what's tied to the other side of that thing? Are you guys tracking with me today? Because if you get this, your life's going to get real big. If you don't get this, you stay contained. And I'm trying to get you to see that the life that God has for you, the marriage that God has for you, the family that God has for you can be amazing if we get rid of this mentality that God's trying to take stuff from you. Like, you got to spend time with God so that you can trust him. See, some of you in the room right now, you get it because you spend time with the Lord. You're like, man, I know he loves me. He's proven it time and time again. I know pastor, what the pastor's saying is right. I need to get more of this. But others of you are still kind of scratching your head like, well, dang. Well, what if it don't happen? You know that. And see, because it's not something you learn. It's something that you learn when you're with Christ, when you spend time with the Holy Spirit. When you spend time with dad, you begin to learn how much dad loves you. And that when dad needs something from you, he's not trying to take something from you, trying to get something more to you. Are you guys tracking with me today? And so that was where Peter was at. Man, we've done all this, but because you've said it, we're going to do it again. And I'm sure those guys went out to sea and they were tired. They were, you know, exhausted. Some of them were mad. Some of, some of the guys were probably in Peter's ear. Man, why are we doing this? This is stupid. He ain't even a fisherman. That dude makes chairs for a living. Trying to tell us out here how to fish. Didn't make no sense, but they did it anyway. Now look over here. Look over here to John chapter 2, verse 2. Here's another great example of why you need a word from, from God. This is before Jesus had done any miracles. Do you realize Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine? It was a miracle, catch this now, of luxury. 
not necessity. Yeah, y'all don't get that. Y'all don't get that. It was a miracle of luxury, not necessity. Religious people like to pray prayers that make sense. Oh, I don't want to pray too big of prayers. I don't want to be greedy. Uh, You know, uh, well, we really don't need it. Guys, what I'm about to read to you explains how much God loves you. How many of you parents here buy things your kids don't need, but they want? All y'all do. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. All All y'all do. They don't need that stuff, but they get it because they say, Mommy, I want, I see that. I want a commercial. I want, they don't say all that. Well, I see, I want it. You go buy it. They got too much stuff, right? Do they need it all? No, but you love them. And some parents go into debt on Christmas time just to get their kids stuff that they don't need. They don't need it. But you know why you do it? Love. Can I tell you somebody who does that too? Jesus. God the Father does this for you. He's not interested in just what you need. He wants to lavish goodness on you. So look what this scripture says here. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. That's a good thing. I hope Jesus is invited to your wedding. That's a word for somebody because some weddings he ain't invited to. I hope that that sink in. That's for somebody. And his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of the wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, Jesus. And Jesus says to her, woman. What does your concern have to do with me? I love the New King James right here. He says, my hour is not here yet. His mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I love this scripture because Jesus had not yet done a miracle. And look what comes out of Jesus' own mouth. It's not my time yet. Translation, this is not in the will of God. Let me mess up your theology a little bit. It's not God's will I do this. It's basically what he's saying. And look where Mary's faith was. Ignore whatever he tells you to do. Do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. She probably gave him that look like, boy, shut up. I'm the mom. You're going to do what I say. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. So what does Jesus do? He gets up like some of you do. Do this wine. And he goes and he makes the water into wine. Why why would this be the first miracle recorded that Jesus did? It's not a miracle of healing anybody. It's not a miracle of necessity. Now let's bring it really. Can we get real on a Sunday morning? They're asking Jesus to get more wine for drunk folk. That was a banging wedding, I'm sure. So much so they ran out the wine. So everybody's in there like, hey, you know. A religious Jesus would have came in there and said, I ain't giving you, that's what y'all get. Bunch of winos up in here. You need some water, sober up. I'll make coffee for y'all, but I ain't making no more wine. <laughs> it's not what happens. And you know why I believe it? I believe because God is trying to show us 
how much he loves us. That he's not only going to meet your needs. He loves you so much. He wants to meet your wants. He does. But you don't believe it. You don't believe it. That's what it comes down to. You don't believe it. And you know what tells you you don't believe it? When you don't put him first. You don't put him first because you still think, oh, I got to get on my grind, on my, my grind, my grind. This grind culture, guys, it ain't kingdom. It just makes people feel good because they're doing something. Now, I'm proud of you. Get out there and do something. But this grind, don't, man, guys, put God first. What do you say? Seek me first and everything else will be added unto you. But he can't be second. He can't be third. He's got to be first. He don't want an offering based on what's left over after you paid all your bills and now you're going to break God something off. You know what he said? He said, bring the tithe first. Because order matters in the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, but it does. It may not matter in the world. Things are all out of order. Kids talking to their parents any way they want. People doing things to the cops any way they want. But listen, order matters in the kingdom. So we get in this scripture here and they're out of wine. And Mary says, nah, Jesus says, I can't do it. It's not in the will of God. Mary says, shut up, do it. And he does it. Look what happens. So they have no wine. Jesus said, her woman does not concern what you say have to do with me. My hour has not yet come. His mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Keep going. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. They took it, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, wine until now. Keep going. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk then the inferior you have kept the good wine till now so what what happens here is Jesus gives a word now you got to understand something about the word that he gives them Jesus tells them to use the water purification pots now what was the purification pots used for you want to know what that water was used for it was used for washing the people's feet when they came in It was used for washing their hands. Those vessels weren't vessels of honor. They were vessels to be used to clean people up. You wouldn't put your drinking wine in those things. But Jesus does something beyond, here we go again, beyond the intellect. Beyond the intellect, beyond what made sense to perform this miracle. It was something that it took the people to discern if they're going to do it or not. Mary discerned, man, this guy's the son of God. He can do this. I wish I could get a church full of folks that can discern the miracle working power of God. That when he tells you to do something hard, you do it. Because you understand God is not trying to take stuff from me. He's trying to give stuff to me. I wish we could get people that would choose the hard way over the easy way sometimes. Everybody wants the easy way out. 
Listen, there's no easy ways to your destiny. Your destiny's not cheap. You want to have a good marriage? There's not an easy way to get there. You want to marry somebody uh, uh, that, that's part of your destiny? There's no cheap way to get to them. You simply got to pay the price within yourself to get the blessings of God. But understand, if God requires you to be holy, it's because holiness has a blessing. If God is requiring you not to sleep with nobody that's not your husband or your wife, it's because there's blessing tied to that that you can't get without that. But we can't get you to we can't convince you that that is a good enough price to get what's on the other side of it. So we say, oh, well, pastor, it's 2019. It's 2019. Ain't nobody living like that no more. Ain't nobody living like that no more. You know, oh, that, that, that's old time. No, no. See, get to know Jesus. Turn off the TV. Turn off the phone. Spend some time in the scriptures. Spend some time in the morning in worship. Get to know your dad. Pray and say, God, show me who you are in the Bible. Let these things come alive and you have no problem serving him. I'm convinced that if I could teach people how to know God like I've known him, you'd give up everything for him too. You'd give up everything for him too. Now, here's the other side of giving up everything. Every time I've given up everything, I always have come out even more blessed than I was before I gave up everything. Every time. Every time. I told you just a few weeks ago, you know, God told us to give a pledge. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And we, we fulfilled our pledge. But you know what was on the back of my mind? Back of my mind was my daughter's quince coming up. Back of my mind was my 20th anniversary. Man, I wanted to do something special for my wife. She'd been with me 20 years. She earned a trip, something. Amen. Don't amen, babe. Don't amen. <laughs> She's like, amen. Yeah. But in my heart, she earned something. So my intellect would have told me, well, pastor, you know, you got to put your family first. I know it's pledge time, but, you know, uh, you, you got these things and your kids need them. So you should take care of them first. And you know what? That wouldn't have been wrong. It would have been right. But what I've learned to do, instead of figure it out in my head, I just say, God, what do you want me to do? And you know what he wants me to do? He said, put me first. Put me first. Put me first and see what I'll do. So we put him first. First thing he did was he gave more. We ended up over doing more for our pledge than we pledged. More came in. We blessed God above our pledge. Second thing that came in was we were able to uh, uh, put on this incredible quinceanera time for my daughter. It was amazing. We had so many people help out. We couldn't have even, we couldn't have paid to have it that nice. And some people just out of the love of their heart, uh, <coughs> Christine, <coughs> excuse me, and others uh, had did so many great things for us, blessed us, blessed my daughter. And the third thing is I had enough points and it's never happened up to this point. That, that to take my wife away on a New York trip that paid for the airfare and the hotel. And all my travels, I've never had a year where it's come through. This year it came through. We, we didn't have to pay for anything. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. But it's taken me a while to learn that whenever God requires something from me, it's not because he's trying to take, it's trying to give to me. So there were some of us when we were doing pledges, some of you responded out of that route because you're like, okay, if this is what God's telling me to do, I'm going to do it. And he's going to take care of me. But others of us, maybe we wrestled a little bit. And here's the problem, because you can't fake this. It's kind of like what Shaq said in that commercial many, many moons ago. 
He made a commercial. He said, you can't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. <laughs> and you can Google it. Google it. Use it. And you can't, you can't fake relationship with Jesus. This is why the Bible says in the last days, there'll be the wheat and the tares. Because the tares look exactly like the wheat. But one thing separates the wheat from the tares. When the wind blows, the wheat bows. You want to know why? Because in the, in the head of the grain there, there's, there's, there's grain inside of the head of the wheat. And it has weight, so the thing bows. You know what that bowing signifies? Submission. In a tear, and tears are all over the place. If you see, drive by these fields, you see these things that look like wheat, but in the tear, it's hollow. So it doesn't bow. It stays the same. The only time you could tell the difference is during harvest time. You see the fruit of the wheat. It's going to be like that for some of us because you can't fake this thing. Going to church every Sunday, you just can't fake it like that. No, you've got to have a life of submission to the Lord. Now, when you do, that's when miracles come. That's when miracles flood your life. We've seen miracles in our marriage. We've seen miracles in our family. I've told you before, we've lived in, uh, we've experienced things that are outside of our pay grade. I've taken, I've been places that my gift couldn't have got me there. I've been places that my education could not take me. But I've been there because I've trusted the Lord. And I'm telling you today, folks, the main ingredient that you need to, to live, to, to experience miracles is you need that ability to hear from God and obey him. Look what happened when they, when they obeyed Jesus at the wedding. They had the best wine. Pfft, I love that. Not only did God just give them good wine. He gave them better wine, but it came through sacrifice. It came through people having to go, I can't figure this out. I'm just going to do what he says. Guys, there's sometimes when you're starting out in this walk with the Lord, you can't figure it all out. I don't know why lift your hands. It says it in the Bible, so I do it. Like literally, that basic. Because some of us still can't, you know, we don't even, can't even do this to the Lord. Someone gets out, lift your hands, and you're just like, why? I don't want it. Because why? Your feelings don't get it and your intellect doesn't get it. But when you just learn to go, oh, it's in the Bible. OK, I'm lift my hands. Oh, OK, you know, it says to pray in the spirit. OK, what's that? Tell me about it. All right. I want it. Those are the things that are going to unlock an incredible life for you. Think about this. And I want you to write this down. The greatest victories in your life will come from your response to his word. The greatest victories in your life will come from your response to his word. What I want to teach you is that anytime you come up against an impossible situation, take a moment and wait on God. Don't do anything without hearing from the Lord. Think about it in the Bible. How did Israel take their promised land? They saw Jericho, a walled city. There was no way in the natural they could, they could penetrate this walled city. But Joshua waited on God. God gave him a strategy from heaven. He said, walk around the thing. He said, blow the trumpets. You know, he said, make a sound on the seventh time. And the walls came down. So many incredible uh, miracles throughout the, the Bible happened when people stopped listening to their intellect and started listening to the word of the Lord. 
the story of Naaman in the Bible. He had leprosy. What does the prophet ask him to do? Go bathe in the river seven times. Not one time, not two times, not even three times. Seven times. That, 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 that water in that river was some of the dirtiest in the land. But when he did it out of obedience, out of submission, he was healed. So many examples you'll find throughout the Bible that have that. And you know what? Here's the crazy thing. Some of you even have those examples in your life. Times when you just obeyed God because of what he said and you experienced miracles. I want to encourage you. Stir your own faith up by what God's done for you. Don't forget the miracles that are in your life. Don't forget what he did for you in your sin, in your ignorance. Stir yourself up and you'll understand what I'm talking about here. And what you should be looking for for this next season of your life is what's the word for our marriage? What's the word for my family? What's the word for this season of college, finishing up? What is God saying to me right now? What does he want from me? That's how we've got to live our life, on the word of the Lord. But in order to hear those words, you got to remember, you got to strengthen your spirit, man. Amen. Are you guys tracking with me today? This is the greatest thing we've got to understand for miracles is miracles are going to happen based on a word. And the word God's going to give you is not going to be something all the time that makes sense to the natural mind. It's not going to make sense. There's going to be times, let me, let me just drop this on you. Here's the thing about learning to, to, to hear from God as well. God doesn't only speak to your spirit. He speaks through people. Now, if you learn that principle, it could save you a lot of headaches. If you don't learn that principle, you're going to go through a lot of hell. Because here's why. Nobody likes to listen to anybody. Let me give you another key that will really mess you up. God will speak through people that are imperfect. That messes people up all the time. Because we want God's vessels to be, oh, incredibly perfect. But guess what? There ain't none. There ain't none. So we get people sometimes that come to the church and they're so excited Oh, man, pastor, you're my pastor. Praise God. Thank you, pastor. You know, you're, you're, I'm so glad God brought me here. But then check this out. Then maybe they experience a little bit of my weakness. Pastor has weakness? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to know why? Because I'm a man. Because I'm not Jesus. So I forget things. I forget names. I forget dates. I'm forgetful. And sometimes my forgetfulness can hurt your feelings. So somebody gets hurt by my imperfections. Now they think they don't have to hear from me anymore. Uh, Pastor hurt me. I ain't going to listen to him. Ouch. It doesn't necessarily hurt me, but it hurts you. Because now Satan knows all I've got to do is disqualify every godly voice in their life and I got you. And so every place you're going to go, you ain't going to find a perfect pastor. You ain't going to find a perfect husband. You ain't going to find a perfect wife. You Just to settle it, you ain't going to find a perfect nobody. 
That perfect boss you've been praying for, he don't exist. They don't exist. They're not out there. If we could just manage our expectations and understand that we don't disqualify people when they let us down, but we discern who the voices God has put in our life are, it will save you so much heartache. Because you never want to be a person that cannot be corrected. Can I tell you why? Because if you can't be corrected, you can't be trusted. I don't want a woman raising my kids that can't be corrected. I want to challenge you in this area. Write it down in your notes. Name at least three people that can correct you in your life. At least three. Because you know what that's going to help do? That's going to help make sure that something else is in control of your life than just you. Because I don't know who you think you are. What I learned about me, I don't want to be in control of this thing. Because I will mess it up. I'll mess it up. So will you. But you just don't know it yet. So I got to have people at least... I challenge you, at least three people that could come and say, hey, can I just make a suggestion? Can I help you in this area here? And know this, usually the people that are going to speak the word of the Lord into our life are going to be people with flaws. Here's the other thing. They're usually not going to do it the way we like. You hear that a lot. Well, you know, he's right, but he could have said it a different way. Okay, we'll focus on what's right. Focus on what's right. There have been so many times I've been corrected and I wish it would have came across a different way, but I didn't focus on that. I focused on what was said and it blessed my life. I leave the other side of it to the Lord. Now, why am I finishing on this point? Is because you got to understand if we're building on, on a word from the Lord, if we're believing for a miracle and we need that word from God, it's not only going to come through your spirit, it's going to come through somebody. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.